0: I'm Keaton. I'm Laura. And we love stories and talking about stories. So we're looking at the Bible as a story that's filled with real people. And we're hoping that if we um, show the human side of these people in the story, um, that we'll see God as real too. That's right. We want to
1: try to read the Bible with curiosity and maybe let our imagination do more work than it gets to do when we read scripture sometimes. So we're going to start with the question, what did these people eat for breakfast? and we're gonna see where it takes us. How did they start their day? And how did the rest of the day go? Welcome to The Breakfast Translation. So we're looking at a chapter in Luke 15, where Jesus tells a bunch of stories about lost things. And this chapter is one of my favorite, just gives me space to appreciate Jesus as a storyteller because he's talking to a crowd of people and he's trying to get them to like think through when they've lost something to help them understand how God feels about people. So maybe if we start with our own lost stories, that'll give us a good way into this. So do you have any stories of losing
0: something? Oh, I never lose anything. <laughs> okay. I'm You're one of those people. No, right. no, no, no. I would lose things constantly. So <laughs> the story that comes to mind first is a recent one where I was getting ready to go to a concert with my mom that we were really looking forward to. And um, it was that moment where you are already running late and then you can't find your keys. Yeah, oh, just just the worst, and then especially with it potentially taking away an event that you're excited about. And what was the concert? Uh, John McLaughlin. Okay. That's right. <laughs> yeah. He's kind of a funny singer songwriter. Very, um, I mean, we got this CD from Starbucks when I was like eight years old. And they're very like cheesy, soulful yeah. songs that we just eat right up. And All right. So we're finally, we're circling back however many years later. That's the old way. That's the
1: old manner of music discovery.
0: The Starbucks CDs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The organic. mixed. Yes
1: the mixtape just Mm -hmm. for you from corporate Starbucks. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that the time factor is important there, right? Because if you lost it and you were leaving an hour early, no big deal. Right. But that franticness of losing it right before you head out the door. Turning
0: over furniture, (laughs) freaking out, yelling at your cat. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. It just, I think we all understand that
1: it just sets you on edge, mm-hmm. especially if you think. Cause like, do you have one place where you usually usually put your keys? Yes,
0: the red basket above my fridge. Yeah, and it wasn't in the red basket above my fridge. So in my mind, I say it can't be anywhere. I have no idea. It right. could be yeah. Who knows? That's
1: the worst, especially like if it's it's the place where you always put them, or if in your head you're like, I know the last place I saw it was here. Mm-hmm. Then I think it, there's a special kind of frustration. Uh, for that.
0: I agree. It's maddening.
1: My lost the story I thought of is, uh, I, I used to spend good money on headphones. Uh, although now I've kind of learned that it's kind of like the sunglasses rule. Mm. Like the more money you spend on them, the more likely they are to break. Yes. Or uh, for you to lose them. Yes, but, that's if, familiar. <laughs> but if you spend $5 on the sunglasses, you'll have them forever. forever. Yeah. <laughs> so I had like a, a good pair of headphones. Um, and this is when I lived in downtown Cincinnati, so I thought I had put him in my pocket, but I couldn't find him in my coat pocket, and they weren't in all the places I checked, and so I thought, oh, I must have left him at this restaurant I was at, so I walked, like, I don't know, miles and miles and miles back to the restaurant, mm-hmm no headphones miles and miles miles and miles (laughs) at least 1.2 miles or something
0: that's a long walk though
1: well and it was like it was winter so it was like and it's city blocks and the wind is blowing and it's starting the sun's starting to go down I'm checking all the like gutters like thinking maybe it fell out of my coat pocket and I like I'm looking I'm walking the path just hoping that I'm gonna find these don't find them I buy a replacement pair I think I even lost the replacement pair. If I'm remembering the story right, oh, but no. a year later, I get out a sweatshirt and it had like a pouch, like a kangaroo pouch pocket. You know, if you for my quarter packing. Yes, <laughs> I you, have. I've got, the kangaroo, I've
0: got the kangaroo. I've got the pockets. Yeah.
1: and I pull out these headphones.
0: Oh no! A year later,
1: and what I loved about that was that that means that the whole time I the 1.2 miles or the miles and miles I was walking while I was looking.
0: They were with you all along.
1: They were with me all along. <laughs> Just like right, your kangaroo pouch. just like God. Uh, and
0: that's where I keep God, too, <laughs>
1: right? Yeah, right there. Um, but it was so, it was like a, uh, yeah, it was, it was maddening.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you know? I know. Did it feel like relief at all when you found them, or was it more just like a, ah man, it was, I spent time being anxious when I could have been at peace?
1: It was both at the same time. It was like, I was so glad to have found them. I was glad to have the mystery solved. Like, that's the other part of it, right? It's just the mystery of it. Uh, when something's lost you want that solution right so it solved the mystery but I was so frustrated right
0: and I feel like the it ties it back to you saying that Jesus is such an impactful storyteller because when we're telling these stories we I almost I mean at least for me I feel re-frustrated and re-mad so just the amount of of emotion tied to losing things and understanding what the hopelessness that feels like. So. Yes.
1: And I think that's what good teaching does, right? Is it taps into instead of telling you something you don't know, it takes this thing everybody knows and it just gives meaning to it. So his first story is one you we've already talked about here because you said it's one of your favorites Yes, that he tells. Uh, you want to sum that one up for us? The first lost one.
0: Yes. Yeah, so every time lost sheep. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the idea that uh, if a shepherd is watching over a hundred sheep and one wanders off, he'll leave the 99 to go find that sheep. So the idea of the significance of each individual.
1: Yeah. And that's how much God loves us is that even if we were just the one, God wouldn't say, well, I have these other 99. (laughs) That's fine. Uh, The whole the sheep and shepherd stories in the Bible have taken on a new, a new meaning to me because I have a sheepdog (laughs) Mm -hmm. and he is built with all these herding instincts. So he'll go in circles around people and you've seen him, like, yes. if you start to like, leave the circle. Archie, I have
0: to go to the bathroom. <laughs>
1: That's right. He's like, no, you have to stay here where I can keep my eye on you. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't like people to come or go without, you know, without his approval. Uh-huh. And it's just, it's brought all these, because I don't have a lot of sheep experience in my life. Really? But, yeah, no, <laughs> I don't. But having him, like, just watching how much he is attentive, and he's a little 10-pound sheep dog. Mm-hmm. And so it brings these stories to life. Uh, in a different way for me. The second one, though, is another one that um, almost everybody can understand. This right because it's just a woman flipping over a couch, yes. right? Yes. Yes. Which is where, like, how many remotes have we all lost? All of them <laughs> to the to the recesses of a, a deep a deep pillow couch, and here, like, it's just he's trying to say, think about when you've lost that thing in the in the couch. She's lost a coin. I lose my Roku remote you lose your keys there think about how good that feels to find them and he's saying that's how much god rejoices over any anybody who comes home uh to god uh and so i kind of love that we talked about this that that it can redeem that moment right you've said since we talked about this it, it makes you feel different when you lose stuff yes yes yeah that you can kind of tap into that that feeling um one of the things I've always thought it's funny that we use lost language to talk about other people a lot. But according to these parables, it's not just that people are lost. It's that they're, they're loved, they're pursued. Uh, the word I, I just think it'd be interesting if instead we talked about the sought after. You know, that everybody we know that ourselves, that we are sought after by God. We're not necessarily lost or wandering sometimes
0: yeah I agree when you talk about people I feel like you hear that I was lost and then I'm found like amazing yes and I always think about the um being found I don't really take into account the joy that comes with the finding yes too
1: yeah Mm -hmm. um I always think when we tell these stories one of the pictures I have in my head is is also when I lived down in Cincinnati there was this woman who she must have lived around the corner somewhere but every time I saw her, she was in like the same outfit. She was clearly a woman who didn't have a ton of resources. And she was always looking for something, like searching every trash can, every gutter, every crack in the sidewalk. Uh, and her eyes were always down. She was always looking for something. And I, a couple times I saw her like finding a cigarette, but, you know, so I don't know if that was what she was always looking mm-hmm. for, but. Uh, or she's looking for my headphones. I don't know what she was, but she was always on the search. And my friend Harmony, who has just a really good heart, tried to like engage her one day and like ask her if she needed food or if she needed some resources. You know, just trying to see what she needed. Um, but she was so set on what what on her search, you know, that she could barely even talk to people. Um, and so a lot of times now, when I read these these lost stories or these sought after stories, I think of her, just that. Like I think of God as being like her, like On head down. Yeah. Just like, I have to find this thing. And I've always wished, again, she may have just been looking for food scraps or, you know, resources I don't know, but I've always wanted to like believe she was like looking for a lost wedding ring or something that it was some, some good story that I, I just didn't know. It. Yeah. Um, so the last story is one that gets a lot of attention and gets a lot of press. Most people know this story, even if they've never read the Bible. And it's the story of at least one lost son. And maybe two lost sons, right? So we have this story of, of what we sometimes call the prodigal, right? And you have this, this father with these two sons. The younger son uh, does this really insulting thing to his dad where he says, hey, let's just pretend you died. What would I get? Could I just have that have now? now? Yeah. <laughs> um, which is, you got you to expect that kind of hurts a, a dad's heart, right? Um, and he does it to go squander it away. Right. He doesn't do it to he doesn't even do anything productive with it. He doesn't like start a, a company. He's not an entrepreneur. He's not yeah. <laughs> He's not doing responsible investments. So he uh, he goes and squanders it to the point where he finds himself like without anything. I think it even says there's like a famine during the time. Right. So it's it's a time when it's It's even more irresponsible, like just how much he squanders this money. Meanwhile, older son stays home, does all the right things, farms the land, watches out for the sheep, does all the good things. Uh, At some point, the the prodigal makes the decision to come back home. He makes a big he's trying to rehearse a speech to get his dad to love him again.
0: Practicing as
1: he's walking home. I would I would hope the first line of that speech is I recognize that you are alive. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Let's
1: pretend you're alive again um but he makes this speech and then of course the point of the story is that the dad welcomes him before he even gets to make the speech um and then yeah big
0: big party uh, it was a big
1: party yeah and then the older son gets mad Mm -hmm. right so the older son who doesn't understand leaving home is so in a way he's lost too right because he has all this resentment um Let's, let's play with the, let's play the breakfast game with this, with these characters. Can you see what, what would the older son, what kind of breakfast does he have in, anything come to mind?
0: The older son is um, eating the things he's got the routine and he's eating the things that are available, like never too much, just what, what's in the cupboard what they stocked up on maybe bulk buys yeah the, um <laughs> whatever yeah the, cereal the cheerio, that he cheerio loves. knockoff mm. yeah
1: <laughs> yeah i like the cheerio knockoff or like dry toast i think mm. he would be like a dry like you can't have
0: practical you like, can't have butter
1: on that you can't have too much joy mm. is the sense we get from him um anything about the dad
0: oh that's a great question i don't know do you have any ideas
1: only that I imagine he wakes up and looks out the window a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, we get the sense that he is keeping his eyes on the driveway, you know, and that he he wakes up hopeful. Yeah, um, that,
0: that his son will come back or just. as a, Yeah, as a hope I think a so. Sensibility.
1: Yeah. Hope for the son. Um, and maybe he's even like, I don't know if they had newspapers, but if he if maybe he's checking the new. you know, like he's trying to get the word. Maybe he's always kind of looking for that son to return. Uh, how about the younger son? What's he, he's an easy one to characterize yeah, the younger
0: because we understand the, him,
1: his all impulses, you can eat
0: pancakes stacked, stacked so high with gets the belly ache for yeah. a week after <laughs>
1: he might be a, I always think of him also as like the leftover pizza guy,
0: right? Yes. Uh, in the morning, are you
1: leftover pizza?
0: I am. Yeah.
1: I, I don't understand that phenomenon.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, no cold pizza for you. No, no. I, I could go for it. It's pretty early right now. I could eat some cold pizza. That's
1: That's disgusting. Mm -hmm. Thank you. No no judgment, but that's (laughs) awful. You must be an awful person because of that. Maybe. I'll look into it. Um, So every time we we talk about this story, I always think of, so Henry Nowen, who I think we've referenced here before, who, if you wanted to be fancy, you'd say Henri Henri Mm. Nowen. Uh, He has a book where he studied Rembrandt's painting of this moment when the younger son comes home. Uh, And it's called, I think it's just called Return of the Prodigal. And he studies the painting and the story. And one of the things I've always appreciated about the way he teaches it is that we all should understand that this story, like many of the stories we've looked at from Jesus, has all these layers to it, right? There's a sense in which we understand both of the sons, that if we were honest, we have probably been the prodigal in certain ways, right? We've maybe had seasons of our life or just certain areas of our life where we've thought, I can do this better, Than anybody who's ever tried to tell me how to do this, you know, or where we've wandered or where we've experimented or where we've gone far from home. Um, but we maybe also have situations or seasons where we're the older, you know, where we're more judgmental, where we think we're better than other people. Uh, can you relate to that?
0: Yeah. And I think that when I hear this story, um, taught, they tend to encourage you to position yourself in the shoes of both of the, of the sons
1: yeah and what I like about uh, Henry Nowen's book is he says that at a certain point in your life or in your faith you should put yourself in the place of the father that um you should be actively looking to welcome other people home um and I find that to be just be a really challenging yeah, it's a tall <laughs> task. yeah it is a
0: tall task
1: but I love that idea the other you know we've talked a lot about um dinner stories, right? And there's another guy, Eugene Cho, who talks about how the church is full of people who just are eternal guests at the party and never see their potential to be host. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I think there's a lot of wealth in this story that in addition to this being the kind of love that God has, that love that goes after the sheep, that love that rejoices over the lost coin, that love that meets you at the end of the driveway before you give the speech, that in addition to that being a reflection of God's love, that that's supposed to also be who we become is that we become people who search, uh, and truly kind of give other people, um, attention and love and grace and a lot of mercy. And so I think maybe that's, that's at least as I hear it, that's a good invitation, Mm -hmm. um, is to actually see ourselves that way. Cause I think a lot of times we play so small,
0: Yes. I agree. I never, I never, I feel, um, daunted. Yeah. To be invited to be the father.
1: Yeah. It makes more sense for us to put ourselves in that, you know, in that childish or the recipient of grace. And we're a little slower to see ourselves as the givers of, of offering grace, but there's probably all day long. We have the chance absolutely to, to play that role for people and to be more gracious, uh, in the world. So maybe tomorrow when we wake up to eat, uh, disgusting cold pizza. That's something we could think about. Uh, thanks for joining us on the breakfast translation.